Welcome to Two Cents Worth. I'm your host, Ryan DeFaber. I'm here with my longtime friend, but I haven't seen in a while, Mr. Daniel Bard. We met in 99 when I moved down here from Rhode Island. You're one of the first people that I played baseball with, actually. Providence High School. Yeah, Providence High School, and then also uh, AAU team, the Megastars. The old Megastars. What a terrible, terrible name of a team. Horrible. Um, and then I transferred to Charlotte Christian, and then that following year, you came in as well, so then we were teammates again in high school, and then that's when our, our paths obviously uh, went separate ways for a uh, from a baseball perspective. You went Carolina, I went Division Two. you went pros, I went to working as an adult. <laughs> you were a different kind of pro. Yeah, I was a different pro. Um, so... Again, if, if you don't know who Daniel is, he he uh, pitched for the Red Sox for a couple years, bounced around in the minors for a little bit, but also went to Carolina, pitched in the College World Series. We're going to talk about that today. We'll talk about his major league career, um, how that is, what that's like, and then what's he up to now and uh, what's next for, for Bard. So um, I guess we'll just get right into it. You know, the first thing is obviously knowing you for a long time and, and seeing your progression, you were, and me and Matt talked about this on the, on the second episode was our high school team. And we went through the, the starting nine and it was, you know, D one or D two or D one drafted D one free agent. So like our whole, if you look at our team, my senior year and then your junior and senior year, we had a lot of players. Like I was having a conversation yesterday and someone was like, your high school for how small it was had dudes. so many good players. Like I haven't even mentioned the fact that Steph Curry went to our high school yeah. and you know, I'm going to have, NFL guys now. yeah, I'm going I'm to have Oren Thompson come on and talk about him going to the NFL. I'm having Mike Metcalf in a couple of weeks, come on and talk about um, making it in NASCAR as a pit crew guy. Like I got to think like per capita, like for how many? What do we have? We had less than four hundred people when we were uh, three sixty or something. What we ninety three people? I think we graduated our high yeah, school. Yeah, mine was like seventy five. Yeah, and we had how many major like pro sport athletes out of that? I mean, per capita, it's got to be one of the highest. Like, definitely in the state. And in multiple sports. Yeah. Right. Like we didn't just like the baseball team is, I would say, year in year out, it's most consistent. But football's right back up there now. Yeah. And basketball, when Curry was there, um, was producing guys going D1, D2, and then yeah. him going pro. They were fun to watch. And then his brother, sure. Seth. Yeah. He's back pro now, too, he's right? In, he's somewhere. He was on the bench for Golden State. For Matt, look that up. Look it up, Matt. We got Matt here. He's going to be our uh, stat guy today. Um, all right, so I want to talk to you first about high school. So, again, we mentioned the progression of... He's with the Seth is with the Trailblazers. Okay, so a team, huh? They still have a team. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch I'm, I, I, I'm not. That's not my. I don't watch uh, any sports. Professional uh, ex professional <laughs> athlete doesn't watch any sports. I watch a little. I watch playoff <laughs> baseball and uh, fishing shows, and that's about it. Okay. Does that count? Sure. I, I mean, there's sports, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about high school. So. Again, mention you're you're younger than us, so we lay we leave. You're you had a really good junior year with us as we were seniors. We leave, we go to college, and then it is anytime we go back home, 
a new school you're going and visiting, you're talking to pro teams, like just walk me through, walk us through kind of that process and how, how it was as a 17, 18 year old kid to be basically, I mean, right. Notre Dame, you're flying around the country. Meeting with schools. Go on some cool visits. Well, as you know, like when we first met at Providence, I was just another guy trying to make the team. Yeah. So we're talking like freshman, sophomore year at a different high school. I was like, you know, that's we had like a hundred guys go out for twenty five spots. Like it was competitive. Yeah. And you can easily get like overlooked if you don't have a good three day tryout. So I can remember not only not feeling like I'm a prospect of any kind or like, you know, I was I was confident that I thought I could play in college because like mainly my dad, you know, having his, he played some minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, he was able to see the game and he's like just keep doing what you're doing, Daniel. You're going to fill out. You're going to get bigger. You're going to get stronger. Uh, you know, your your mechanics and things like that are, are better than most of these guys out there. They're just stronger than you, you know, as a freshman, sophomore. He's like, just keep doing your thing. Keep working at it. You're going to you're gonna catch up and surpass guys. So, like, he kept putting that in my ear, which I think was really powerful, you know. I mm-hmm. think that having, having your dad support, <clears throat> support especially um, – when he's, you know, reputable and knows the game. I think that meant a lot to me and kept me, like, believing in myself. But, you know, I left Providence kind of the same reason you probably did. It's like I didn't see a lot of opportunity there. I did. I make, mean, I didn't even make the team. Yeah, so I made the team, but I sat, I rode the bench. My, I mean, I pitched maybe 15 innings, uh, you know, each year, my first two years. And um, you know, part of that, I, I think I actually deserved to play more, and that's what, what led to me uh, ultimately uh, transferring to Charlotte Christian. Which was like you know best decision I, I made at that point. In my yeah, because you came right in, slotted right behind Matt, number two starter, and then starting right fielder, batting third or fourth for us right Didn't in the lineup. That part. Yeah, like for a thirty and five team that won the state championship to go from basically not playing on a public school team, but at the same time, our entire schedule was public school teams. Like yeah. we didn't even play. We the only time we played private school teams is when we had to, mm-hmm. and we'd go and play these four A schools and beat the shit out of them. Yeah, and even the and they we weren't allowed to play the Charlotte teams for right. a long time. In, but my, inside of the county, right? My senior year, we got to play South Mech and East Mech, and we beat them both. Yeah, see, and, and that's again it goes back to the program. All right, so which was a big deal at the time because like Charlotte Christian was always viewed. We had this reputation of like, oh, they're really really good for a private school. Yeah, and like none of the other public schools who had good programs around around charlotte would like really give us any true respect i felt like and then when we were able to my senior year beat beat them both in a, i think it was like a easter tournament that was the only way you could play them was if it was yeah the shelby a, tournament right oh, yeah. yeah so and we, were, we beat them both so that felt felt good well and then again i can only talk about our senior year but even going down to miami and playing those teams and yeah. winning a couple games down there yeah like, that gave us, you know, obviously we had to leave state to do it, but it gives us a reputation of, okay, we'll, we'll go and play anywhere, and we'll play whoever. But yeah, I think we knew how good we are. We were. But, like, when we go do that, like, nobody knew who we were playing, yeah. you know? Uh, only we knew that, like, these teams were legit. Like, any of these teams would run the table if they came to Charlotte. And uh, we went down there, and, you know, we'd go 3-2, and 3-3 and three on a trip, but, like, way better talent than we could. You're playing teams that are ranked in the country while yeah. we're just sought out, looked at as a small private school in Charlotte. Yep. Yep. All right, so your senior year, your number one starter, your velocity picks up. Because I remember you coming in as a junior, you were low to mid-90s consistency. Y'all could t- probably tell me better. Oh, uh, I mean, that's embarrassing I, I for you. I think maybe sit 90. 
You're a little year. better than that. I think you're like 92, 90, 90, 93, yeah, but then your senior that. year, I'd come back to games and it'd be like 96, 97. I don't know about that, but... Not consistently, could, but you're could, hitting it. I could touch like a mid-90s by my senior year, and that kind of, when you're 6'4", and you can touch mid-90s, that kind of puts you on the map, I've I learned. Yeah, so who were the top schools coming for you at that point? Uh, pretty much everyone in the in the area. Yeah. You know, ACC... Uh, a lot of those Wake Forest, Carolina State, Clemson, um, and I kind of wanted to get a feel for some of the other schools, so I took a trip to Notre Dame, uh, really with no intention of going there. I was like, "That's a you know, big Rudy fan growing up," and uh, like, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't want to? Yeah, terrible place to play baseball. Uh, although I have a couple good friends that I met in pro ball that uh, that played there and loved it, but. They were like, baseball's miserable, you know, because yeah, it's pretty it's, much cold the whole you're, it's, spring season. It's basically Chicago. Right. Yeah, it's cold till till May 15th. So um, got to go to sit front row at a uh, Notre Dame-Michigan football game for that visit, which funny story about that, side story. I sat, I'm in the front row, sitting next to this big, freaking beefy dude. Wasn't a baseball recruit, because I, I had seen those guys, the other recruits that were in, in that weekend. So I introduced myself to him. I said, hey, man, I'm Daniel, I'm here. You're on a baseball visit. What's the story, man? I'm not, like, super outgoing, but I want yeah. to stand next to the guy at the game. He's like, Look, Brady, I'm going to be the starting quarterback here next year. It's Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was a giant of a man, even at, whatever, 17 or 18. And, uh, you know, he shook my hand. He goes, Brady, come, I'm already committed here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the starting quarterback next year. I was like, cool man that's good for you yeah and we didn't say another word the whole game it was super awkward so i don't know if he like <laughs> was shy or like well now know. he's on but, television uh, what's he do now he's a fox uh what he'll a, call games what a beautiful man is he <laughs> i mean i mean he looks that, great i mean i don't know in person look but he, he was super awkward to sit next to at a game so yeah well his career didn't go as as planned it was mine longer than his mine might have been longer Maybe. <laughs> You're three years? Uh, that, yeah, three to four. Yeah, and he was, Brady Quinn, he met Brady Quinn on his visit to Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, it was probably you know, three or four years because he got picked by the Browns, and I yeah, mean, you know how well. a quarterback is with the Browns. Never goes well. um, all right, so you have those schools. Who's calling you from the pros? You know, they just kind of all, you know, if you're projected like anywhere in the top, I'd say three to five rounds, whether high school or college, like pretty much every team yeah. is, is their local scouts not doing their job if they don't come talk to you okay. in person and get you to, you know, talk to you face to face, make sure you're not insane, you know, <laughs> either overly confident or super underconfident, make sure you're kind of a normal human being. And especially if they're going to, you know, spend a first round pick on you, they want to, um, Really, like, just make sure they're getting, like, a solid person, which you can really only tell if you sit down with a kid for half an hour and talk to them. So they they all do that. Um, so, yeah, we had – they came to your, my, my house. In and what's school. that like? Like, as an uh, 18-year-old kid, you have pro teams coming to your house. You know, I think having my dad around helped a lot yeah. to kind of, like, ease the, the, the transition of it from going from, like, non-prospect – that thought he could be good someday and maybe play some college baseball to like, he might be like a top three round pick yeah. out of high school. It's a big, it was like a two year in two years, which at my, you know, at the time felt like a long time, 
but looking back, I'm like, man, that happened fast. Yeah, I, it did, right? Yeah, like, I went from just another guy on the Megastars, yeah, you know, like right? fighting for innings <laughs> in, in, on the JV team to like getting visits and stuff, which was cool. And, and I think it part of that kept me kind of humble through the process. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope you guys are my teammates. You know better than I, I do, but. I didn't think that highly of myself because I'm like, I wasn't that good that long ago. So like, I got to keep working hard. I just, I remember vividly some conversations that you and I did have about it. And I just remember again, like kind of just staying humble around it and everything. It was just kind of like a, a, just another, another day for you. Like talking draft day, you're like, yeah, this team's going to call me. They, they want my commitment that, you know, if they draft me in the first five rounds, I'll go. I don't know. I don't know if that's what I want to do. And and like the rest of us are all sitting there going, uh, so he doesn't want to play professional baseball? Like if, if a team's going to call me and say they're going to draft me the first five rounds. But you mentioned your dad twice. And I think I want to touch on that too is, is just his experience and knowledge around the system and the business of it. Do you think, I mean, not think, but was his knowledge around that a reason why you went college instead of going pro uh definitely contributed to it yeah i think he you know he said pro pro baseball is great i mean you asked my dad about his his five years of minor league baseball he talked about it like it's the the best five years of his life <laughs> to this day um you know and and uh that's when they treated minor league players like dirt so the fact that he comes out talking like that shows you how much he loves the game yeah but he also said, you know, my dad, he did go to college, finished four years before he, before he got into pro ball. And he said, you know, there's a ton of value in that. There's the education side, but also just the life experience and, you know, the friends you're going to meet and the, the being able to play three or four more years of baseball where you're not doing it for a job. You're doing it for fun, for the love of the game, for your teammates. And um, I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Yeah. I, I, you know, I grew up a big fan of college baseball. You know, with the ACC tournament being in Charlotte mm-hmm. for all those years, and um, kind of always saw myself playing in that that tournament. I thought that would be really cool. I actually saw myself doing that more than I saw myself, you know, riding a bus playing minor league baseball. <laughs> Nobody actually pictures himself playing minor league baseball. You go to like college because there's some there's some lights on you, and it's yeah. I'm not I'm not in my backyard as a kid going, man. One day when I play for the Charlotte Knights, exactly. I mean, you, you kind of like cool. It'd be nice if this was a stop on the way. Yeah. Like no one envisions like it's you're not supposed to. It's not supposed to last. You know, stay there very long. It's it's college is cool because you get all the, the attention there, and then there's big leagues. Yeah. It's like then there's a stop in the middle to the minor leagues that nobody really really talks about. But yeah, my dad played a big role in that, and then you know, getting moving ahead a little bit. Like I, I kind of got to a point where I was like. I don't want to. I don't want to go play pro ball right now. Like I kind of just realized, all my friends are going to college. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to just have like a normal existence as a college, you know, athlete or whatever. Um, you know, if I had gone to play pro ball, like that would have separated me in a big way from like all my friends. You know, yeah. I didn't want that as an 18 year old. I was like, I'm not ready to be literally off on my own. You know, I kind of pictured it as, uh, you know. Whoever drafts me could get shipped to Arizona, somewhere on the West Coast, or like I, all you would know is your teammates. Like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you have no connections. Yeah, I'm like, oh, there's no girls, you know, in, my, in <laughs> that that part of my, like I need to go to college and and have fun that way. So that was kind of my, I made that decision 
kind of in my own head. I don't know if I ever told anyone. I may have said I was leaning toward college. But what I ended up doing was just putting a really high number on myself. So they all ask, what's it going to take to sign you? And they want they want a dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, the local scouts have to come, go back to their bosses and say, Bard's going to sign for X. And don't draft him unless you plan on giving him that. Because if, if, if you waste a high pick on a guy and he says he'll sign for a million, and you offer him a million, and they say, no, I wanted two million, that scout gets fired. Oh, shit. Okay. No, I mean, he gets, it, it looks really it bad. It looks bad on his, on his yeah, report, they right? Yeah, really, those picks are, like, super valuable now, especially with, now, now they've got all the, uh, you know, limits on how much you can spend and stuff. Like, those, you don't, you don't get that pick back. So, um, so I ended up saying, like, I'll sign for two million bucks. Because, in my mind, I was like, Team throws two million at me. I have to sign. Mm-hmm. I can't like life wise. You cannot walk two, away from two million dollars as an eighteen year old. Can't walk away from it. And so I said, but no one's. I was like in my mind, I'm like, I there's a chance I could be like a second round yeah. consideration, which isn't two million bucks, or at least it wasn't back then. And I was like, um, you know that it's it's gonna price me out, and no, and I'll I'll get drafted later because that's what they used to do is draft those the college destined guys they would draft them in later rounds and uh just to see if they'd you know still change just, their mind yeah, later in the summer kind of thing and so i actually wanted that to happen to me but i didn't want to uh not get drafted because i was at the point where all the hype had been there yeah, there you like, want, yeah. yeah there's like 10 or 15 scouts at a lot of a lot of my uh games that year and i was like if i don't get drafted at all People are going to be like, what the hell was all that for? You know, like people don't understand baseball. Yeah. And I had this weird insecurity where I was like, well, I want to still get drafted, you know? So, um, funny thing is it worked out that way. So, um, yeah, I ended up getting drafted 20th round by the Yankees and we kind of felt it out all summer and they never even made me an offer. So that's where that went. So, you 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 get drafted, that's great. You don't go. You go to Carolina, and freshman year, your freshman preseason All American. I'm telling you, sure. yeah. I I know you don't know. I'm telling you because I I did all the research. Probably knew at the time, but yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, four, you were named top freshman pitcher in the country, and earned freshman All American honors. Oh five, you were preseason All American as a sophomore. And in 05, that summer, you go to Cape Cod League. And it, for those that you don't know, it's a summer league, and it's basically, the, I would arguably, the most competitive league. It's where all the guys that are going to go pro that are in college play for the summer. It's a pretty good concentration of college talent, yeah. Because for you guys out of Carolina, it was you and Miller were the two top pitchers for that team for those couple years. Mm-hmm. Andrew Miller. Um, and then you guys were both up there in the Cape Cod League, and that – Summer, you led the league in innings pitched and strikeouts, and your ERA was like third or something like that. Which, so just seeing that progression, right? Like you'd mentioned earlier, like going to college, you knew that's what you were going to do, and, and you weren't ready to go pro and just go across the country to Arizona or California. And it gave you time to kind of grow and, and become a better player. And, uh, you know, the stats don't lie. And then 06, you guys make it to the World Series. And you pitch in the College World Series. So I had Matt on. We talked about his experience pitching in the regionals for what we call the mid-major school, Elon Mid-Major. So you're at Carolina, a top program in the country. 
you were weren't in the, at the time. weren't at the time when you we, went. We kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, actually. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, at the time it was for the ACC. It was Clemson, the Clemson, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Miami. Yeah, those were like the big dogs. And I think actually, I might be wrong, but I think all three of those teams actually were in Omaha too. We had four ACC oh, really? teams in Omaha. We were that's we crazy were there too. Um, but yeah, we had a really good year. We were ranked number one in the country most of that season, or like a good good chunk of that season. So like the target was on our back too, and we 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 had a really good year. And I'll tell you, as a fan of the game, and then also your friend, and and Matt can talk and agree with me here because he's sitting here. When they start televising college baseball games, and you see your friend pitching in it, like that was also like kind of reassuring to us. Like, yeah, like he is that good, but also like we played with him, we are good as well. Mm-hmm. Our team was good. We talked about it earlier. Like our team actually was really good. Yeah. And, and now we, we have and somebody. And Reed Franck was, was on it, right? Yeah, like. Who played for us as well? He was our third baseman yep. in high school. Um, yeah, so like it was just kind of like reassuring to us, like, yeah, we have some really good players and and friends, and then also what getting to watch it, not in person, but watch you pitch in those games was. Imp- I remember being at Hickory Tavern watching, unfortunately, the game that you guys lost against Oregon State, but watching it, and like I have friends that didn't go to high school with us, and they're like just seeing like how proud I was of it. And everyone's like, Oh God, dude, I can't stand you talking about Charlotte Christian. I'm like, Does, is any of your friends on the television right now? <laughs> Shut the hell up and watch the game. Like this is a guy I've known since 99. Um, so tell me like what's going through your head pitching in the college world series in the championship series. Yeah. So I got, uh, I got two starts out there. I got one in like the first round, second or third game we played. And then I started what ended up being the, game three of the championship series which was like so we split we mm-hmm. got to the championship series best of three against oregon state won the first lost the second and i started the third game so it's for everything yeah it's pretty cool like yeah. for you again is that more so like your aha moment of like yeah i i am this good well i i had struggled I actually i had a good junior year overall but like i didn't i had a stretch of like I mean, so that was my draft year. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got, I, I turned down, you know, what could have been a lot of money out of high school. Better be a good year. And it started out really <laughs> well. I hit a stretch like five games, though, where I stunk. Like, couldn't get out of the fourth inning. And uh, just walking a lot of guys, getting hit. Um, I think I might have been tipping pitches or something. I, was, I had a game against Mar- Maryland, I think, who was hands down at, at the time. The, probably the the weakest team in the ACC, mm-hmm. and they put up a ten spot on me in four innings, just hitting the ball all over the park. And uh, so, like my confidence got shook a little bit. So it was kind of up and down. I had a really good start two days before the draft, which probably saved me and, and kept kept me to get drafted where I did. And then, as you know, the college season goes pat keeps going past the draft. Yep. So Omaha's like three weeks after the draft. So. Some more up and down. I had another bad start at Alabama in the Super Regional that we ended up winning. I only went two innings, I think, and um, ended up, uh, yeah, getting that start in the final game. And it was like, yeah, it was kind of like culmination. Like, okay, you've had an up and down year. Um, you got drafted. You, you're a first rounder now, regardless of how this game goes. But 
this is your chance. Like, everybody's going to be watching this game. It was the final game of the college season. And, and, you know, if you're into college baseball at all, you're tuned in that game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw it as my chance to kind of say, okay, you can say whatever you want about those bad stretches <laughs> I had. Like, here's my chance to, like, prove it. And I, and I kind of just went out there. I, I remember listening to, like, some really, like, chill music before the game, like, on my headphones. So I was laying, laying down in the clubhouse listen like really like normally i'd kind of pump myself up and i was like i do not need to be pumped up right now there i'm pumped up through the roof like heart's already racing and stuff an hour before the game so i tried to just kind of mellow myself out and uh which is i think in hindsight somehow i did the right thing um you know i ended up having a really good start we ended up losing the game uh i could have thrown better i think i threw a bun away or something that cost us a run or two but um we ended up losing three to two but uh, it, it was kind of it was bittersweet because you were like man we came further than anybody thought we were going to come yeah you know when i committed to north carolina i was like they're a middle of the road acc team it'd be cool to, to be a part of the group that puts them on the map and that's exactly what we did you know, we put them on the map finished runner-up unfortunately but man we we got home like Everyone pouted for, like, a few minutes. Then we were like, man, that was a fun run. Like, the, the group of guys we did it with, um, still super close with probably 10 of them to this day. Um, I think eight or nine guys got to the big leagues off that team. That's wild. Yeah, so I mean, seven or eight at least, yeah. But uh, still look back on that that run, kind of that, that two or three week through the playoffs there. is like, that's the funnest baseball I ever played. Yeah. Yeah, better than you know major league playoff baseball even that's crazy yeah it i think i i don't know because i wasn't a part of it but like it's almost like it might mean more because yeah. i think it's the whole like band of brothers mentality yeah. like you know you're doing it with guys that um you spend 24 7 with like you live together yeah. you eat together you party together you practice together you lift together you you travel together like you do everything together. They become your brothers, you yeah. know. And every we all experience that, you know, at our different schools. And um, to be able to like accomplish something with that group of guys, you can't replicate that in pro baseball, right? You know, they try to, and it, some teams do a really good job of garnering that like team mentality. And I think that's what the teams that tend to do better most of the time are the ones that do that. Yeah. But uh, it's just hard to do because, you know, everybody, you get to 25 to 30 years old, people are getting married, they have their own families, they have kids, they've got, you got one guy playing for $20 million, the guy in the locker next to him is playing for league minimum. Like, yeah. You just have different, um, everybody's at a different place in their life, whereas like when you're in college, everybody's... You're all fighting for the same thing, you're right? You're in it for the exact same yeah. thing. Nobody's getting paid more or less based on how the game goes, so um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a special environment so you get drafted now i want your opinion on this because it comes up every year a lot of the announcers hate the fact that major league baseball drafts before the world series because a lot of them will argue that some of the kids have already checked out mentally going well now it doesn't really mean that much to me because i'm gonna go i gotta go get ready to get shipped out to Florida or California or Arizona to play my minor league ball. What's your opinion on that? Should should Major League Baseball wait to the end of the college season? Uh, I mean, I think no. I think it's it's Keep just it. the way it is. I think it's only because um, 
yeah, they can't really help it. Like the schedules don't line up perfect, but there's only a select few guys. Like um, my organization I'm with now, like I think we, you know, you draft 30 guys. I think mm-hmm. we had one guy that was still playing. It's like one yeah, out so of 30. It's, so, so it's a small two, percentage. Yeah, there's 29, you know, or assuming all guys sign, 20 something other guys who need to get their career started, and like all the minor league seasons are going on at that point so it's like you got a lot of guys who are if, if you delay everything a month you're missing out on a month's worth of reps for 30 guys yeah which okay. doesn't make any sense yeah that's, i get it so you really just have like one or two guys per organization in their draft usually that are affected by it so i probably wouldn't change it so for you you get drafted season's over you go right to greenville no i go home you go home yeah so we had a little complication. I I get a call. They don't negotiate with you till your season's over. Okay, yeah. So Red Sox drafted me. Um, your first round pick. Yep. They called me after the draft and said, you know, congratulations. Happy to happy to have picked you. Look forward to getting things going. Go go have fun the rest of your season. And end of end of conversation. Three weeks later, season ends. My agent calls me a couple days after we get knocked out of Omaha. And uh, he goes, hey, uh, did you by chance, like, agree to slot money where you got picked, like, right before they picked you? I said, absolutely not. I wouldn't have done that. Because, you know, there's there's room to negotiate yeah. when you get drafted. And they did call me right before. He said, hey, will you sign for slot? The local scout, the local area scout. And I said, I can't guarantee that I would, no. Because I, I just gave him a maybe, basically. yeah. yeah. And he said, all right, I still, I hope we draft you. Click. They drafted me like two minutes later. Great, whatever. So then three weeks later, my agent goes, did you agree to slot money? I said, absolutely not. I said, I can't guarantee that I was signed for it. That was my response. And he goes, well, that's funny because the GM just called me and said, well, good. Uh, this should be quick because Daniel agreed to slot money before the draft. <laughs> so he called me to verify. And then he, he goes, all right, I got some business takers. And he called him back. He's like, I chewed him out so bad. He goes, I don't know who you got running this show. But like, he goes, so anyways, so that kind of started things off on like the wrong foot. But long story short, uh, we spent the whole summer kind of going back and forth. They made their, their slot offer. I was like, no, I feel like I should have got drafted higher. So I'm going to hold out for more money. That was when you could hold out. You can't hold out anymore. You get like two weeks now. Yeah, and if you draft. don't sign, you go back in. Right. There used to be no deadline. Like you could negotiate all the way up to the, basically the next year's draft. Oh, wow. If okay. Um, if you didn't Because they, they still own your rights though, right? Yeah. So the second you would go, if I had stepped enrolled in classes at Carolina that, that fall for my senior year, that would like end it. Okay. Um, and I, enro- I did enroll in classes, went to Chapel Hill with... with I can say it now, but no intention of actually going to class. Like I was like, please make me an offer. Please make me an offer. Like I hate You're like, I don't want to do this again. I was so ready to get going, but I also didn't want to like go back on something that I had kind of, you know, stuck my, stuck my, drawn a line yeah, in the yeah. sand on. Like I wanted to stick to it. And I thought I, I deserved it at the time. But uh, yeah, so they, they came up with a better, they came back with a better offer, like kind of right at the stroke of midnight and I signed, so. So you sign. It's like mid-September. So point. season's over. So then yeah, where do you league, go? Uh, home. Stayed at home. Stayed at I home. Said, um, you know, there's no minor league baseball for you to play anymore this summer. So we're going to uh, just have you come to Instructional League, which is like kind of like a mini spring training in the mm-hmm. fall for like three weeks. 
come do that. Come back, to, you know, we'll see in spring training. Basically, you'll get started next year. So, so then you make it into the minors, and you go South Carolina, Greenville, right? Nah, started, or were you out in California? Started in California. Okay. And was absolutely horrendous and got demoted after about four starts <laughs> to Low A, which is Greenville, South okay. Carolina. Finished the year there. Sucked there. Uh, if you look up the numbers, it's it's impressive how bad it. When was. Matt gets back from getting beers for us, we'll I'll yeah. have him look up some stats. It's for impressive. Us. It's uh, I, to sum it up, it's like seven ERA, more walks and in innings pitched. Not a lot of good there. Eighteen wild pitches. I was I was lost. So in the minors, even if you're going through that, what are like the coaches and what is the organization talking to you about? Because you're you're a first round pick, so they have they're invested in you to be successful. I have to imagine. Yeah, they. Uh, I could kind of get like when it started out, everyone's like, "Ah, he's struggling bad. What? How do we help him?" You know. And then I think when it hit like half halfway through the season and nothing was getting better. They were like, oh my gosh, who did we draft? And I was thinking the same thing. I had hit the same point. I I went into that year being like, you know, because my, my buddy Andrew Miller, yeah, he got drafted by the Tigers same day as me. And he was uh, he was in the big leagues in his first two months after he got drafted. He was up with the Tigers in the bullpen. Yeah, oh, that's right. They called him up as the lefty specialist out of the pen for their for playoff the playoffs. Run. And so I'm looking at that. And I'm like, we were like neck and neck. We were basically, you know, he, he probably overall had a, a little better career than me in college, but like we were the same, on the same level, more or less in college. So I was like, and he's in the big leagues already, just because I haven't gotten started. Like I'll be in the big leagues by the end of this year, early next year at the latest. And uh, couldn't have been more wrong about how it started <laughs> out. Like I was awful. Um some bad, some bad starts in there. They, I, I, basically, I got my mechanics tinkered with, and no one had ever touched me before. Yeah, because I just had a nice, smooth arm. Yeah, action, we, like, we talked about that. Uh, me and Matt did the last time, just about you, the, the way your motion was. That ball would just come out, and you'd be like, oh, "Okay," and then you look at the gun, and be like, "What the fuck? Ninety six? Yeah. What the hell?" So no one ever messed with me. Yeah, and, like I was good with that. Like I, I knew that. What I did naturally worked really well. I thought I'd gotten to that point. And, uh, but I show up in my first spring training, and I'm throwing a couple of bullpens that I thought were great. Apparently, they didn't think so. I mean, to me, they, I was like, this is great. I can't throw any better than this. And then by my third bullpen, so we're like a week into spring training, I got five pitching coaches standing behind me, and they just start tinkering. Like, yeah. hey, uh, I had a real big leg kick, you remember? Yeah. Like, what if you uh, kind of tuck that leg under that knee and just kind of keep it right at your waist? And I'm like, okay, and I'll try it on a pitch, throw a strike. They're like, how'd that feel? Well, pretty good. Let's stick with that for a little while. So, okay, I've changed my leg kick. Hey, what, you know, you're, you're a little across your body. Let's, uh, I think if we straighten that out, it's just going to be a lot more easier on your arm. I'm like, holy, hey, who wouldn't want it easier on their arm? So I'm like, try a little bit more open stride. Okay, throw a couple strikes. Okay, good. They changed my arm slot. They they, I was a sinker slider guy in college. They bang my sinker, bang my slider. I'm four seam curveball, and I'm like, by the end of spring training, they had changed so much. I I literally was going out to the mound with a delivery that like didn't feel like mine. Yeah. With a with a pitch repertoire that like didn't feel like mine. I'm like, okay, how do I get outs? Yeah. I do nothing. Right. So then, so now you're out. you're in your head. I was lost. Yeah. And uh, like yipped up. I mean, I could go out and compete. Like, 
if you didn't know anything was wrong and you showed up to a game I was pitching, you'd probably be like, oh, a tough day for that guy. But like in my head, I'm like, this is the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> like I literally was like, you know, I'm, the expectations were high, you know, being a first rounder the year before. And I like, I was the worst pitcher on my A ball team by far. So the season's over. You go home. Or do you go back to Florida and keep training? I went home, and they um, they told me I was going to go to... They used to have this Hawaii Winter League. Yeah. They don't have it anymore. It's kind of like the Arizona Fall League, which they still have. It's like a winter league for kind of prospects or guys who didn't get enough enough innings. So they say, hey... And I only had like 75 innings, even though I was healthy the whole year. Like mm-hmm. I should have had 150, but because I was going three innings to start, yeah. like I only got <laughs> half the innings I was supposed to get. So they were like, well, your arm should still be fresh. Meanwhile, I'm like hanging because they were like, you know, there's a big difference between like 15, 20 pitch innings normal. And yeah. I was having like 35 pitch innings. So my 75 innings was really... Yeah, you're grinding. Grinding every pitch and uh, fighting my body in a lot of different ways. I mean, it's just like super inefficient. So they say, they just were like trying to find something to like mix it up. So I didn't just stew the whole off season on a bad year, I think. And it was really good. You know, this this was the better, the best thing that the Red Sox, I think, did for me at the time. But they sent me to uh, Hawaii, said, hey, you're going to go relieve. You're just going to throw one inning outings. Work with the pitching coach there. He's one of our guys. And uh, just, you know, just try to find one yeah figure find, it out find, right? find it basically and i got there first couple outings kind of more of the same um not real good fighting myself and i remember i had a conversation with a uh, pitching coach down there he goes i saw you a year ago right after you signed in instructional league you were sitting 100 miles an hour and throwing strikes what happened <laughs> i was like great question man <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> and he's like well he showed me some video from recent and he's like, what do you see you're doing wrong? I'm like, everything. No one has showed me video all year. So I was like, that looks awful. And we immediately were like, all right, what's the difference? I'd lost all my freedom. Like I, that loose, whippy arm action yeah. was like gone. Everything was like robotic, Very rigid, yeah. tight, and like aiming the ball, you know, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's like, how do we get back to that? And so we went out and played catch that like, right after that conversation. He's like, I want you to just let your arm go. Whatever arm saw it comes out throw this shit out of it right at my chest. So I'm like, wham, just start playing catch. And like by 10 throws in, I'm like, oh, there it is. It's back. I hadn't played catch like that all year. Yeah. I hadn't even thrown a baseball like that because I felt like I had to follow the set of like guidelines that they had given me in spring training. I had no freedom. And then like that that game of catch in Hawaii on a field that probably doesn't exist anymore because it was like, it was in bad shape when we played on it. <laughs> Just a dumpy, like, this is like a year after being in the College World Series playing in front of 30,000. I'm on this, like, dumpy field of an of all places in Hawaii playing catch with our, you know, pretty young pitching coach yeah. who's just, like, trying to help me through. He's a great dude, Mike Cather. Actually, the pitching coach at Arizona State now. Oh, cool. And we're playing catch, and he's like, all right. I was like, he's like, how'd that feel? It's like, pretty damn good, but I can't do that on a mount. He's like, why not? I'm like, because I got to do this. I got to get my body in these positions. He's like, screw that. Just, he goes, you're going to throw an inning tomorrow. I don't care if you walk the bases loaded on 12 pitches and I have to come play. I'll still write a good report. I was like, okay. Like, no one had ever told me that. I was mm-hmm. like, you guys write reports? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I go out the next day. He's like, all I want you to do is think about the way we played catch. Do that on the mound, hard as you can, down the middle for 
however long it takes to get through the inning. Great. Like, I had nothing to lose. I was mm-hmm. so bad at this point. Go out the next day, strike out two, broken back ground ball, sitting 95, 96 again, which I had been like 90, 91, struggling to throw mm-hmm. strikes before that. And, like, it was like almost like that. Like, he, and what he, I see it now, I didn't know it at the time. I was just like, man, that was great. And I kind of rolled from there. But I look back and I, I know he gave me freedom to fail. I completely lost any freedom to fail. I felt like I had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to follow the set of rules that was laid out for me. And when he gave me that freedom to fail back, like he said, screw it. You're going to get a good report no matter what you do. I was like, who cares? Perfect. And, it, and the freedom was there and the velocity came back. I was around the zone again body like felt looser and i just kind of rolled with that for another 10 or so outings in that fall season in hawaii and then carried it into the next year and uh things happened pretty quick from there i was gonna say i feel like from there you you escalated quickly because it was oh six you're drafted yeah and then by oh nine you're in the pros Mm -hmm. so for anyone that doesn't understand baseball the minor league system there's guys that can get trapped in the minor leagues for 10 years before they even potentially get a shot right so i mean you you climb through it now when you're a higher prospect like you were obviously your projection is supposed to be on an escalated path yeah, it's say like five or six years yeah. to be like the average five years probably the average but like you said you're watching your buddy who you pitched with for three years at carolina do it in two months and then you're, you're three years, but still, I, I feel like that was a quick three years because all of a sudden it was, we're watching you at the College World Series, and now all your friends are watching you pitch in the pros, and we're like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? Like, holy shit, he did it. Like, he did what none of us could ever do. Um, some got close that are, we're friends with that you know from high school um, or even college, but you did it, right? So you're pro. But I almost didn't. I mean, I was... One yeah. more year like I had, it was 07 where I struggled really bad. If I had another year like that in 08, I'd, good chance I'd been released. Released, yeah. Good chance. Or tr- or thrown in in a trade where another organization yeah, would have tried else. to like, recover me and, and it probably wouldn't have gone well. But uh, yeah, I got... Really so you get the call up. Where were you at the time you were at Pawtucket? Yeah. You were in Rhode Island? Yeah. Okay. Huh? <laughs> yeah, Matt's laughing about something. Uh, yeah, so you're, you're in Pawtucket. Tell me about that feeling of getting that call of, hey, you're going to be coming up to... I, were you at Boston for that uh, first game you you yeah, got I, called I, up for? I reported to, to Boston. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I started out the year in AAA after having a really good spring training in big league camp. So I was invited to big league camp that year. Okay. Didn't make the team. Um, probably just kind of a numbers thing, actually, because I actually probably, if you just look at how I threw, I probably should have made the make team. it. But totally understood it. Like it was a, you know, I wasn't on the roster. You have to be on the forty man. I was not on the forty man. So they started me in AAA, probably just to make sure I was ready. Yeah. And uh, went and was our closer in AAA to start the year. Threw the ball really well. Kind of knew that I'd be the first or second guy when they needed call the labors, up, which it's it's inevitable. Like you're gonna someone's gonna. Seven, it's a long yeah, season. People seven, are gonna get hurt. There's seven guys in a big league bullpen normally, and you, you typically have. 15 to 20 guys that get opportunities out there in the course of a season. Mm-hmm. So I knew I, I was pretty sure I was like, if I just, I was very confident in how I was throwing the ball. I was like, if I just keep this up, good things are going to happen. I'm going to get my ch- my shot. And it was like a, five or six weeks into the season. Um, we had a guy struggling and 
you kind of, I think it was a day I was kind of thought I was going to throw. Like I hadn't pitched in three or four days. So I was like, this was in AAA. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'll definitely pitch today. And it was a save situation, which I definitely would have been in. And yeah. they didn't put me in. They put somebody else in. I was like, something weird's going on. So the game <laughs> ended. They said, hey, stay in your locker. That's what they usually tell you. Because like they try to make it all secretive or something. And uh, managers says, hey, wait till the clubhouse clears out and then come see me. I don't know why they do that to this day. But, uh, yeah, so they called me. And I kind of knew when I was walking. I was like, this is it. <laughs> this is what I worked for for a long time. For your whole and, life. Yeah, and like, and for it to be so close to like not ever happening, you know, to have, have gone through the struggles, I think, makes you appreciate it more. So when you get called up in the Fenway, did you go out on the mound and it's like no one's in the stadium and you're, you know? Of course. Yeah. Not. No. Oh, <laughs> no. okay. So it's not uh, like the movies no, where you go and I, stand and you'd look around and pretend like... I think I got there at like, uh, you know, I was coming from like Columbus, Ohio or something. We were on the road and so I had to f- catch a flight and I think I didn't get there till maybe, you know, four o'clock before the game. So I'm like, show up, team's already out there taking BP. They throw a bunch of equipment at you, give you a BP top and some pants, and you run out and like <laughs> play catch and try to get ready for the game. And fortunately, they didn't throw me that night. Uh, my whole family flew up for the game, which is cool. Yeah, I had like twenty people there. And um, did you know any of the guys on the team at the time? Just from spring training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like this uncomfortable situation. You're oh, like, it's uncomfortable. Oh, it is. Okay, oh, so yeah. you're like, hey, I'm the new guy. You got who wants to play catch? I got a ball. Hundred percent, it's like that. <laughs> it was like when you came to. North Carolina yeah. freshman year and you showed up at Providence and you were like it's the exact same feeling. No, that's you're, a wonderful feeling. Five year twenty four, twenty five years old and you're in a big league stadium. But it's the same exact it's same exact emotion. That's funny. Yeah. All right, so But you have like Jason Veritek next to you. Yeah, right. Like, like watch out kid, you know. And you're on so that team Manny Ramirez? No, he was gone. He was gone by he that was point. Like, um, you have David Ortiz, Let's see, Ortiz, and uh, Pedroia, Pedroia, Jason Bay, um, Papelbon, Papelbon, Lester, Josh Beckett, Tim Wakefield. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what a fucking roster! That's yeah, to be a part cool. of that. Yeah, and also just '09. You know, they, it was not that far removed from like the '04. Yeah, know, craziness '04, and they won it. Then they repeat or got did it again in '07. So like there was. You know, Boston's a crazy place anytime, but yeah. like that was only a few years removed from breaking the eighty-six year curse or whatever. Oh, God, so, that was the worst worst day of my life. Yeah, it was uh, as a Yankee fan. But you gotta appreciate it for the for the energy. I I think for the game, it's yeah, fantastic yeah. for the game. Um, for me personally, it's the worst feeling ever. <laughs> I I remember texting you when you guys would play the Yankees, and I'd be like, Hey, yeah. I think it's awesome you're playing. I don't want you to win. You're like, that's terrible as my friend. I'm like, I don't really give a shit. Like, this is, this means more to me than our friendship, I promise you. Yeah, well, I, I gave up my share of runs to the Yankees, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, your first outing, what's the emotion going through? Is your is your heart jumping out of your chest? Or are you trying to stay? Because just knowing you, like, I don't think a lot of things – from an outside perspective, you don't see it really in like your body language. Like things don't bother you. I feel like you stay mellow, but like what's going on internally? I'm just really good at hiding it. Man. Yeah, I, I get it, right. Fake, That's what I'm asking, right? Make it till you make it. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was in. I didn't pitch that first game in Boston. We hop on a plane right after the game. I say bye to my family, fly to L.A., play the Angels. Warmed up in the first game that series. Didn't get in. 
which was kind of good because it kind of like got some of the butterflies out. Yeah, it got got up through thirty pitches in the pen, got loose. Hey, sit down. I don't know if they planned that or not, but second game I got in. It's like an eight to three game. We're losing. Come in like the I don't know fifth or sixth inning maybe. I've got. I come in. I remember my my now wife. We were. Um, dating at the time Adair she said she's like you gotta be nervous are you nervous I was like I was like honestly it's just I pitched on a pretty big stage before like yeah, yeah I'm excited about it but like I said I'm more nervous about tripping running into the <laughs> to the game than I yeah. am like pitching bad like I was super confident in the way the way I was throwing so I was like I know I can go out and compete with these guys which is I don't think a lot of guys felt that but I was that confident at the time I was like I'm worried I'm gonna do something stupid or like pick my nose on TV, which I'm sure I did multiple times. <laughs> but uh, I get in a game in, in Anaheim, throw my warm-up pitches. First batter's Mike Napoli. Three straight heaters. High, higher, and highest. Swung at all three. <laughs> Punched him out. Oh, by the way, there's guys on base when I come in. There's a guy on second. So I'm like, Red Sox, we're big in the minor leagues about, you know, um, Varying your looks to second, like mm-hmm. holding the runner. So I'm sitting there, coming set, boom, one look, two looks, throw the pitch, strike one. You know, doing that every pitch, like varying my looks, doing holds and stuff. Strike him out. I'm like, all right, I can do this. Walk around the mound, rub the ball up. I'm like, all right, who's next? Step on the mound, toe the rubber, come set. He gives me the sign, come set. I look at third base. There's a guy on third base the whole time. <laughs> Tory Hunter's on third base. So I was like, I, I threw the whole first hitter without, I thought there was just a guy. Because you don't, you know, you don't check the guy on second if right. there's a guy on third. Right. There's nowhere for him to go. So I'm like power, power looking this guy on second. You're holding the I've guy on second. He's like, I, he's like, what's with this dude, man? Like, I, I can't go anywhere. You're really worried about me. No, so, yeah, I did, I pitched the first uh, hitter without knowing there was a guy on third. So that, I was like, I kind of laughed to myself. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, calm down now. You know, it's, uh. But it's all good. I think I maybe got through that with one run and somebody else's run. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, hey, I was a reliever. I, I, I'm the same way. Who gives a shit? You come into the game, give yeah, up a run. Yeah, so it was good. Had a good first outing and it was like, you know, good to have that one behind you. So you have this successful run, which is, you know, again, watching it from from a friend perspective and a fan. We're watching arguably one of the best relievers in baseball for two full years right is that sure is that fair matt yeah i think that's fair okay so two full years of watching one of the arguably one of the best relievers in baseball then we get to 2012 you get a new manager some would call him a manager (laughs) (laughs) he'll remain nameless uh but you can look it up um you get a new manager and you go into spring training and it's you're gonna fight for a starting position now. So you're not going to be bullpen, you're going to be starter. Mm-hmm. You you make the rotation and you get into just I think a different situation, right? Like you'd been a reliever then for the last couple of years. You went back to being a starter. You look at the stats, the stats aren't awful. 5 and 6. So you're winning yeah. games. I was competing competing it wasn't right though yeah. yeah so looking back at it now just knowing well or even in the moment you know this isn't right no no in the moment i was like i'm fig- i'm gonna figure this out like yeah. any day i'm gonna go back to being my old self and i was feeling 
like it was on the kind of her. I'm like, really nothing was wrong. I didn't think anything was wrong. Now, hindsight being 2020, and like I know I had some some stuff going on. I ended up having thoracic outlet surgery uh, a couple years after that. And I so what I, is that? That's uh, basically a nerves getting pinched um, behind your collarbone. Okay. And I think I, I had like basically was dealing with like some really mild symptoms of that, which if that nerve's getting pinched, it's nerves and blood to your arm. Okay. And it just affects the strength of your arm, the, the your ability to feel the baseball. Hold the baseball, yeah. Some, if you have it really bad, like your hand goes numb and like your arm can swell up. That's like the severe version. Oh, wow. But if you have like a mild version, do you have that? Matt thinks he has it. Oh, he might. Yeah, I know. It's like way more common in pitchers they're realizing now. But, uh, it was really under, you know, no one really looks, you have to kind of be looking for it to find it. And mm-hmm. No one was looking for it at the time. So I think, I do think it was a mild case. Like it was a hard case to, to pinpoint and diagnose. And it took a couple of years of me getting progressively worse to finally figure it out. But I do think that it was affecting me probably all the way back to 2011 because my velocity started dipping. Yeah. And I felt fine. I was like, I feel healthy, feel strong. My 98 just has become 94, 5. Which people are like, oh, it's still hard. You're fine. Right. But like to me, I'm like, if anyone else drops three or four miles, if you went from 90 to 86, people are like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, what's happened? But you go from 98 to 94, people are like, eh, it's still hard. Mm-hmm. still touching 96, whatever, you know. But the velocity dips. Command goes from, you know, pretty good, filling up the zone to like walking a few more guys, not pinpointing it quite as well. And that just kind of all coincided with that switch to starting. Mm-hmm. So I think it all kind of, I look at it, you know, now it's like a perfect storm of kind of things just kind of happened wrong. You had the new manager, new pitching coach who's trying to, trying to quote, fix me Change you through again. this yeah. whole thing. And he was going through a lot of those same changes that screwed me up five years, six years before that. <laughs> Throw in the thoracic outlet stuff going on. Um, you know, the results kind of going from being one of the better relievers in the game to like kind of a struggling starter like so my identity kind of changed and you know looking back i wish i had intervened in some different ways myself um but there's some some of it i'm like there's nothing i could have done it's just right. the way it happened it is what it is so yeah so then they release you yeah i get sent to triple a for part of that year which was kind of shocked shocked to the system I start beating myself up about it, yeah. thinking I suck, which I did. I was sucking, but I, I think there was more to it that was not in my control. Um, I, I was working my ass off at the time; it just wasn't happening. It, was mm-hmm. getting, it like, felt like the harder I worked, the worse I got, which shouldn't happen in anything in life, but it was happening to me. And uh, yeah, about a, fast forward about a year, end up getting released, briefly claimed by the Cubs, sent to Chicago. Never threw a pitch for him, but was technically a member of the Cubs for like because that's where. In that wasn't that when Epstein went there? Mm-hmm. So GM from the Red Sox, who knows you yep. as a player, now at the Cubs. Okay, is that is that a, a reason why? Oh yeah, he he, yeah. Was, he was great to me. Um, he he drafted me with the Red Sox, called me up to the big leagues with the Red Sox. He moved to the Cubs, claimed me with the Cubs, um, re-signed me two years later on a minor league deal. So like he just kept giving me opportunities. Yeah. I'm always super grateful to him. He was. Got a good relationship with him. He offered me a job after I got. I was gonna say, is he a good dude? Yeah, he's great. He seems like great. He seems like that type of guy. Like you could go and have a couple beers with. Hundred percent. Even though he's 
he's one of the most powerful people in yeah, baseball. Yeah, and I think he gets a little misunderstood because he's not like a charismatic interview, mm-hmm. but like he's actually got a lot of personality, like off the out. You know, when he gets around people, he, he's in a position where he's so scrutinized. Like he's very yeah, everything that he does gets scrutinized. The players be, he signs, everything. Right. So I think. Um, no, I, I have a ton of respect for him, and there's a reason he's successful, and it's because he he really does a good job of, I think, hiring good people and giving good players who are good people and hard workers, like giving them a lot of opportunities. And you know, they don't all pay off, but I think a lot of them do. So you're bouncing around the minors again. You make it to the pros. You've reached the pinnacle. You're again, arguably one of the best relievers, if not the top three reliever in the league. To now, you're bouncing around in the minors. What's going on in your head? Uh, I was falling apart. Yeah. I mean, like, I was trying to... Um, I don't think I, I was a lot more mature at that point. I'd been married a few years um, off the field. I would say, I, you know, my life was probably more together than it had been mm-hmm. in some ways. But at some point, you know, the struggles when, when you're working... I, I end up signing, like, five minor league deals, I think, with six different... Or, four or five different teams. Um, yeah, you have a lot of hats. I have so many hats in my, clo- <laughs> in my closet. I got um, Mets, let's see, Pirates, Cubs. Yeah, I went okay. Red Sox, Cubs claim me, Club Cubs release me. Played winter ball in Puerto Rico that year. Pitched three of the worst innings you'll ever see. Have the have um, thoracic outlet that offseason surgery for it. Remove part of my rib. Signed with the Rangers, rehab with the Rangers throw seven of the worst outings you've ever seen in baseball in, in their minor league system on a rehab assignment. Don't look up those stats. Uh, <laughs> no one needs to ever look up those stats. It was as painful as it is to read those stats. Just imagine like being on the mound. Being, Dealing with it. Being a former major leaguer. And it was like, now it might be like five outings. I'll just sum it up. It's like five outings. I got two outs, eight walks seven hit batter something like that um, it, was, it was absurd like, it's like i had no clue where the ball was going who was the cardinal pitcher rick um it, yeah rick and keel it's yeah, it's the same type of thing right he rose up, to start him and then yips, he just man. couldn't figure it out again uh, and he came back as a hitter yeah he's a he's a rarity but uh yeah it happens and it's a weird it's a weird phenomenon i've studied it more i mean that's space and now what i do now which we're gonna get into yeah yeah is is a lot it's basically sent me on a journey to try to figure this shit out like for me (laughs) and but really for other people like you know i I used to say uh i wish nobody else ever had to go through it um like i I used to say i never wish this on my worst enemy but then like now that i'm kind of getting through to the other side of it i'm like you know what i'm a better person i'm a better husband a better father like no doubt about it because of the stuff i had to go through and um so maybe I would wish it on somebody. I don't know. No, I wouldn't wish it on them. But like, it's not. It's the worst thing I've ever had to go through. And but everybody has their thing, you know. Whether it's like people's parents dying or like yeah. you know going through a divorce. Like, no matter what, you're like you're losing something that meant a ton to you. For me, it was like my baseball ability, you know. And a lot of my <clears throat> identity was tied up in that, whether I liked it or not. It's just how it was. Mm-hmm. It's what we grew up doing. You know, it's what I got the most praise for as a kid. It was like, man, you're a really good baseball player. Yeah. Man, you throw the shit out of the ball. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. You know, it was great. But then when that's taken away and all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. 
some guys it comes from uh, from injuries, from shoulder, elbows. They blow out and they won't heal. Mine was lost the ability to throw strikes and uh, for a while anyway. And uh, you know, spent five years from basically 13 to finished up at the end of 17 with the uh, Mets. I ended up just walking away in like August of 17. Um, on my own terms, just they, they actually wanted to bring me back for 18. Yeah, <laughs> I just hit a point of frustration where I was like, I don't know what else I can do. Um, and just decided to walk away, but it sent me on this journey of trying to figure everything out. And I, I haven't got it figured out, but I, I do. It's crazy because finishing my career feeling like completely lost as a pitcher in yeah. some ways, and I, I had good days, like, there were some good days where I'm like, I got it, yeah, I got like, it back. If right. I keep doing this. I'll be in the big leagues in a month. Yeah, that's how good it was. And then I, the next day, it'd be gone again. Start over. Here we go. And uh, so, like, but it's crazy having finished my career, having not found found it, you know, mm-hmm. found the answer or anything. Like doing the job I do now, I'm still able to help people, and it's crazy. And I realized that along the way, <clears throat> especially last year, 2017, I was with the Cardinals, and they sent me to Double A. Um, throwing sidearm at the time, trying to find it that way because it was, you know, I could throw more strikes that way. And sitting down in a bullpen in double A as a 30, 31, 32 year old with a bunch of 21 to 24 year old guys that had just, you know, signed pretty recently um, who were kind of on their way up. And I'm this old guy (laughs) trying to re, you know, rediscover it. Like I realized I could go out and like, be terrible and i'd show up to the field the next day and i'd have guys asking me for advice I'm like didn't you just see what i did last night but to them but you to did them, you made like, it they're like yeah that was bad but like you i've seen what you've done before and like that's all they cared about which is cool so i never thought i'd get back into pro baseball like in any form when i got done i thought i was like man i'm gonna be so burnt out and uh and the opportunity came about what i'm doing now and i was like it's kind of the best of both worlds and couldn't couldn't turn it down so you've mentioned a few times what are you doing now uh so i'm like started out as player mentor within the diamondbacks organization for our minor leaguers uh which is basically it's kind of transitioned like mental skills mental mental performance coach so um every team has has some type of department for that now i Mm -hmm. think every team are close to it um it's become pretty pretty normal thing across across the game are a lot of those guys in that same position that you are former? No, there's a few, but uh, it's mostly um, kind of classically trained sports psych, uh, masters in sports psych yeah. and stuff like that, which I may end up doing down the road. I'm kind of trying to work that direction, but right now I just have my own experience and read a, read a ton of books along the way about it, different things people have tried, um, stuff that's worked for guys, stuff that hasn't. Talk, I, you know, I love talking to people about it. You know, just the, you just realize that like, everybody shows up to the field with a certain amount of talent, but like right. some people tap into that talent on a more consistent basis. It's just a fact. Like, then some yeah. people super talented. You watch them throw a bullpen or something, or you watch them take BP, never shows up in the game. So I just like became really interested, and I knew that for me, like when my mind was right, I was one of the best pitchers in the world. When my mind was not right, I couldn't get outs in the minor leagues. Right. And I'm like, the physical ability, you know, besides the thoracic thing, that even once I had the surgery for that and it was gone, you know, the ability didn't fully come back or the ability to 
go out and do it. So um, it just got me really interested in like what's the what's the fact what's the factor there that's that's causing that disparity because it's yeah. there for everybody. You know, right? You, it might not be as big of a gap like it was for me, but everybody has their like their A guy and their B guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you get that A guy to show up? more often than not i think it's cool for the fact that you're not this you know you're not trained educationally to to have like you said like that you're not this professional in you know sports psychiatry but you're using your experience right again we talked about the whole hour you've reached the pinnacle and you've also grinded your way through a lot of downs and I, I was reading today, it's like 1,200 guys are drafted every year in the majors. It's like 40 rounds, 1,200 guys, but only 750 guys are actually in the majors. So every year, 1,200 guys are drafted. Now, how many come into the actual minor league system is is a different number. But like you said, they all have a certain talent. It's the guys that tap into it on a more consistent basis. So you've lived it, and now you can get, you can translate that to some guys that need that help to – figure out how to tap into it and how to deal with the mental side of it and how to deal with the business side of it too, right? Like, but once you get into major league baseball, I mean, it is no longer, in my opinion, you're not, you're not out there playing a game. This is your job. It's a business. And you've dealt with that of getting released and getting picked up and going all over the country. Like, I think it's kind of this eye opening thing of like, wow, this isn't a game that I, you know, I played my backyard anymore. Right. Yeah. But the um, funny thing is the guys who play this game the longest and do it the best, and not all of them, but I'd say a, a big majority, are the guys who keep it They keep it in that uh, backyard baseball mentality. Yeah. You watch Pedroia play. It's like he's... It's just like, a game for him. Yeah, he's not like breaking down his swing. I guarantee you he's focused on mechanics of his swing at times, but like he gets between the lines, dude. It's, it's competing. It's like, I'm going to beat your ass. Yeah. And if it doesn't work this way, I'm going to find another way to do it. And those are like, those are the guys who last 10, 15, 20 years, you know, in the big leagues. And there's not many of them. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's becoming, I think more and more rare to yeah, see guys well, last that long. They're not signing long. veterans anymore. It's one of the well, yeah. But also just the ability to do it for that long. I mean, I, I have a pretty like analytical mind that wants to break things down and figure out, Oh, I'm doing really well. Why am I doing so well? Instead of just like some guys are able to say, man, I'm, doing really well i'm really good yeah you're able to just like do that for 10 years and uh you know something you do every single day um at least for me it was like i had a tendency to want to break it down whereas like that's the coach's job yeah good coaches can break things down and give you the simplest feedback possible that can still help allow you to go keep it simple execute perform and just compete when you start trying to break it down yourself i think you know some guys at least get them in trouble. So we're we're a little over an hour, which I'm I'm be respectful of your time if you you need no, to. We're good. We're good. All right. Well, yeah. Um, I want to talk about too just your baseball family, right? Dad, minor leagues for five years. You talked about that. You and you have two other brothers. One goes to Division One, plays Division One baseball, mm-hmm. and then the youngest, Luke, is now made his pro debut and then you have a cousin who's also in professional baseball what is your experience of making it to the pros do you give them advice do you help them along the way or are you letting them kind of seek out their own journey 
a little of both. Yeah. I mean, it's informal. Like I'm, I'm really close with Luke. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about baseball and life and everything else. And, uh, John Andrioli, my cousin, same thing. We we actually ran into each other in Tacoma earlier this year. I was there seeing our AAA team. Okay. Uh, for the Diamondbacks, who I work for, and they just happened to be playing uh, the Mariners AAA, who John was playing for. And um, good to catch up with him. And no, it's it's very informal, but naturally, what I do and the converse and what they're doing as as you know current players, like the conversation just kind of goes that way. A lot of times, so, but uh, it's good, man. I love seeing seeing those guys. They're both super hard workers, and good to see they both paid their dues in the minors. Oh, I'm sure. Luke was, I think, almost six years in the minors and three surgeries before he made his debut. and a couple teams, right? Uh, yeah, he went from Twins to the Angels, and um, and then back, back to, the to the Twins, Twins and now he's a free agent. And then John, I think, six and a half years before he made his debut. Yeah, so, like. To me, that's paying your dues, especially you know you sound as a college guy. He was twenty, he was twenty eight years old when he made and, his debut. And Luke, Georgia Tech, junior year drafted. Mm-hmm. Where's he drafted? Uh, like first, second round. First or second first. round. I I just want people to understand this that are listening to this. There are three brothers, two of which are drafted in the first or second round of Major League Baseball. I, I don't. I don't even know if they even have a statistic for that because of how low that probably is. Like, is your dad just, does he just walk around with his chest puffed out? Like, yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, he does. <laughs> I, I would do the same thing yeah. as a father of two. Like, if if my two kids ever did anything like that, I'd be like, you're fucking right. My kids are awesome. Yeah, I think he's pretty proud. But I think he just, you know, he put us in, he had the, the knowledge as yeah. a former pro catcher where, like, he knew the game and he, he never forced it on us. You know, I can definitely say that, that we were around baseball a lot, but yeah. it was never like, hey, you're playing, you know, fall baseball, you're playing travel baseball this year. That's what you have to do to play college. It was like, hey, do you want to play rec ball or no? Or do you want to try to play travel ball? I can talk to people. It was like, yeah. And then I, I wanted to do it. I loved yeah. it from an early age. So, and the one, I think the one fall, I think there was a summer where I kind of got burnt out. I was 12 or 13. And he said, you know, it was kind of assumed I'd always played fall, fall rec baseball or whatever. I, he was like, hey, do you want, you want to keep playing this fall? I was like, no, I don't really want to play. He's like, all right, great. Let's go buy some golf clubs. And like, I played golf that fall. You know, like <laughs> it was just like something else. And he was, it was no, you know, if I wanted to come I back think, to it, great. I think that's super refreshing, especially as a parent now and also seeing it now, like, Kids are so focused on this one sport, and I have to make it in this one sport. I think the best thing for me, and you're talking about it now, and like growing up, is we all played multiple sports. Yeah. And you gravitate towards one that you eventually are better at than the others. <laughs> like, eventually, I dropped soccer, I dropped basketball, and I focused on baseball. And I think it's the same for all, all three of us here in this room, right? Like, you just gravitate towards what you're good at, it's not forced upon you. I think that's be. what's great. I think it happens for sure. It happens all but, the time. Uh, I talk to guys now, you know, in, in the job that I do now, and first thing I try to do is get to know guys. You know, like know the person before you know the player. I think that's really important um, in any kind of coaching. But uh, like when I get to know them, I'm like, <laughs> you'll talk to guys and they'll be like, I never really liked baseball. <laughs> like I'm here because I was good at it, and my dad seemed to really enjoy when I did well. Like I actually liked hunting 
way better than baseball, but that doesn't pay. That doesn't give you money. That doesn't potentially pay you millions of dollars. Yeah, right. So here I am. (laughs) I'm like, well, you know, you either got to rethink your priorities or, you know, find a different motivator that keeps you doing what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely guys that go a long way in this game and like, they don't have that passion for it and, or it, or it comes and goes, you know, like for me, it was like, sometimes I was showing up at the ballpark and it was like, I'm here because I want to make money for my family. That's it. Yeah. And, um, there's, if you do something every day, like as a job, there's, you're going to have those days, even if it is baseball. Oh yeah. Because baseball is not fun for a while for me. Um, yeah, I think we touched on that. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. (laughs) Very character building. So extreme character building. So you're out of the game, but you're still a part of the game. Do you ever, do you ever still go out and like throw a bullpen? Uh, no bullpens. I play. I I bring a glove every time I go on the road to see our teams. Yeah. And I'll play catch. Just go play catch. Pitchers is you know odd man out kind of thing, or like I'll throw with my brother if he needs a throwing partner here yeah. and stuff like that. My arms kind of not feeling good right now, which is funny because I retired actually like I couldn't throw a strike, but I was I actually physically felt great. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh. And then I started. I took like eight months off, or six or eight months off. Showed up to spring training through way too much one day in spring training because I just like having fun with it because it wasn't my job yeah anymore. right it's like I can do whatever I want now and I threw like 200 baseballs in from uh during <laughs> oh batting God. practice and uh I like couldn't touch my arm to my ear for like a month it was bad my neck just like shooting pain I don't know what I did but it hasn't really felt good since so Dude, it's all part of getting old man I said yeah. you know me and Matt we've been playing adult league softball for the last 10 years I dread a ball getting hit to me because I know I have to throw it back into the field. Like it's it's the most miserable experience ever. I throw a ball and and my arm immediately just starts tingling all the way down to my fingers. Did you re- retire? I say retire. Did you finish your career healthy? Uh no. Oh, you were hurt. hurt. Yeah, I I can't I can't say that. I know you were hurt. I was always hurt. You were you were falling apart. At my 16. senior year in Miami when we played high school. I pitched a complete game, and then oh, we played. Nice. Then we played that afternoon, that night game, and I played in the outfield after throwing like 120 pitches. My arms never felt the same. Oh wow! I, I mean, you, it, you it's did, it's that like it it's that day. I know exactly. You like you did some damage. I did something to it. Probably labrum or. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. there are days though, like in college, go out and pitch, be like, wow, whatever was wrong with me, it's fine. I'm good. And then the next day, like you said, you wake up and I can't like I can't touch my shoulder. It's like having the yips, man. It's, it's like awful. Some days are good. Some days it's just horrible. <laughs> Don't know why. So, married, two boys. Yeah. What's it like being out of the game and now being basically full time dad, full time husband? Yeah, no, it's not great. that you weren't full time husband before, but you know, it's your focus is now outside of the game. I'd say and more so on the family. Yeah, well, I'm home a lot. You know, I, I do travel a lot for the job, but I'm also get to be home a lot. That's why it was like the perfect, perfect opportunity for me to stay in the game. But um, can't get my three year old to pick up a baseball. He won't do it. Like he has, he'll throw, he'll pick it up, throw it once to me, and I'll roll it back to him or toss it back to him, and he's like, he's on to his riding his his uh, bike or something like that. So like he's over it. Yeah. I don't know if that'll change, but I don't really care either. Like That's if good. Wants, if it, he wants to play great, if he wants to play golf, if he wants to... He got, got him a guitar. I'm really pushing that hard. Yeah? Uh, yeah. See, I, 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 I have older kids. Um, not much older than yours, but it'll come. And if it doesn't, like, 
the youngest one, Harrison, he'll go out in the backyard. We've never taught him this. Put the ball on the tee, and he'll swing the bat for an hour and hit the ball off the tee. Meanwhile, Nolan, who plays t-ball, will watch him and be like, "Yeah, I want to go ride my truck. Yeah. Or I want to go play Transformers. And I was like, I'm like, no, no, do what your younger brother's doing. Why is so now it's like, oh, Harrison's going to be the athlete, and Nolan could be an athlete, but I think Nolan might be the mad scientist. You know, it's like, and that's fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay with having a smart kid. Uh, And if he's athletic, that's just a bonus. Um, You know, we're at an hour and fifteen. I do want to just ask you. Give me what you got. I got, I got a few more minutes. Oh yeah, look, I'll keep you here for hours, man. I I heard that. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen each other in, and me and Matt were talking about before you got here, I think it's been like six, seven years. Because you've been uh, holed up in, in Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi. Yeah. yeah, this is a great six year, eight years in Mississippi. Um, but yeah, we're making the move back to yeah, he's Carolinas. Get, he's getting back to the Carolinas, so we'll see a lot more of him, and we'll we'll hopefully uh, get him back on two cents worth. Maybe we'll be down in your neck of the woods and do a remote, and then we'll go out. Maybe and, we can talk about some, like, fun stuff. Actually. Yeah, yeah, we won't want to talk about, like, not baseball. Yeah, baseball and, <laughs> and, you know, why you're not in it anymore. We'll talk about, you know, other enjoyable things. Um, I like to end it with um, what I like to do, and I crack open a beer. Where's mine? Uh, Matt never got you one, so you can drink this one if you want. Fire, yeah. You want this one? Yeah, I do. Yeah, here, drink that one. Uh, so, which is nice. You, you're not from Charlotte. My other guests have been from Charlotte, so we talk local beers, and I, I, I have my own favorites. What's a favorite beer of yours? <clears throat> what am I drinking right now? This is pretty good. The Voodoo Ranger by New, New Belgium. Belgium. Voodoo Ranger. The juicy IPA. Yeah, that is you know, a good I beer. like I like IPAs that have like the a little bit of fruit. Yeah. Like some citrus to them. I like the High Lie. Yeah. It's uh, Florida Florida brewery, I think. Mm-hmm. It's really good. These are good though. I yeah, that's these. Sierra I'm not, Nevada. Like, super picky. I just try new things and. Any good breweries are, in Mississippi that you guys uh, would hit up? Well, I don't want to say no because there's probably someone out there. <laughs> you, you have listeners all over now. So I am international. New Zealand has has no, now joined the list. Mississippi had a a law for till very recently. It was like a uh, they limited the the alcohol, alcohol content. Alcohol content. Yeah, so Colorado and Utah like does that. Four and a half. So yeah. like that's not a fertile grounds for new breweries. Yeah, they all want to do their Why would their you? high gravity stuff, which. I do too, but uh, no. So there's at one point there was only like, don't quote me on this, but it was like eight breweries in the whole state of Mississippi. Which if you go to like, Greenville, dude, I got I got go eight down the road from there's us. There's eight on one block. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like Asheville, I think is like super. super yeah, Asheville, Beer City, there. USA, Charlotte, dude. There's like a new brewery opening up like every month here. Yeah, it's insane. So I I enjoy trying new ones. I'm not like attached to any anything in particular. I. I I don't drink. If I drink anything, it's like, you know, your your standard stuff. Grocery store finds it's Modelo. Oh, okay. So you're a Mexican beer I love drinker. I Mexican beer. So like that's my go-to if I don't have anything. You know, See the summer. The summer. You know, you, for me the IPAs. Like you're, I'm not gonna sit and drink IPAs. If I'm gonna have six beers. Yeah. But I'll have one or two of those. It's a good. It's good. It's a good day. Could a good base down. But yeah. if I'm gonna have more than one or two, three, it's Modelo or. See, I Tecate, only drink. Tecate, Tecate see, the, there you go. Okay, so I was gonna say Tecate one. has been my summer beer, but this year I went back to Corona, and then yeah, I got Matt drinking too, Corona too. It's too mainstream. Too. Yeah. It's too mainstream. Yeah, and, and Hell or High Watermelon by Twenty uh, First Amendment. It's a good beer. Right. Yeah, they only make it in the summertime. It's good now that well, you're in the deep there south. There was anyways. a good uh, speaking of summer beers. Shiner 
made a good grapefruit beer. Yeah? Shiner. They're out of Texas. Redbird. The Ruby, Redbird? Ruby Redbird that I really liked. But it's one of those where it's like, you know, it's 100 degrees. Yeah. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to have one beer, and it's just like super refreshing. Yeah. I love summer beers. But now we're in the fall, so I'm talking about the wrong kind of beer. Yeah, don't worry about <laughs> it. People will get over it. Um, great catching up, man. I appreciate you coming by. Anything you need to plug other than the Diamondbacks? Are they gonna going to be decent next year? <laughs> if I have anything to do with it, <laughs> we're going to win a World Series. All right. Well, you heard uh, it here I first. I the minor league guys, so they're starting. The guys I work with are kind of starting to trickle their way up and get some opportunities, so. Any, uh, if we get a rookie of the year candidate, you can. That's all me. I'll, we'll bring you back and talk about. It. I don't yeah. know. The dog's jumping on your lap. All right, we'll wrap it up. I appreciate uh, Daniel coming by, and um, again, you guys know where to find me. Two cents worth podcast for Instagram. If you need to send me an email, two cents worth podcast at gmail dot com, and uh, you know that's just. Uh, I think that's it. Matt, you got anything to finish up? We're good. Matt's good. Our stat guy did a good job today. I appreciate it. And I appreciate everyone listening. And we will catch you next week. Thank you.